Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Ephraim Jr., and today we pulled blood roses. Is it any coincidence that we pulled blood roses the day after, the morning after, Tori Amos appeared in New Orleans, deep into the dark underworld she went, and we came out the next morning with blood roses. Or, as I'm recording it, the same night. You know, it's still currently the same night. I don't know what Blood Roses is telling me, except for the part that is sticking with me today is you cut out the flute from the throat of the loon. At least when you cry now, he can't even hear you. To me means you've taken away her voice. You've stolen her voice. You've cut out the flute from the throat of the loon. You've cut out her her song. And at least when you cry now, he can't even hear you because you've got no voice. You've got no flute anymore. And so I'm trying to think what all of this means and what I'm coming from today because I'm having a hard time dealing with the United States of America. I'm having a hard time dealing with the war that we're fighting So let me set the scene. I took a group of kids. We took 15 kids tonight to see a bunch of plays. It was always my dream to do, it's always been my dream at this place that I work, to have our kids do a show in the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And for two years, well, we weren't able to do it during pandemic. And this year, I thought we were really going to be able to do it. And then I went on Tory tour and I was gone for a month and a lot of things exploded while I was gone. So we didn't actually get to see it to fruition. But I thought, well, I will take the kids to the Hollywood Fringe Festival so that they can see what a Hollywood Fringe Festival is. They're teenagers. All of them are like, you know, that we don't have any freshmen. I think they're sophomores, juniors, seniors, and some like going into their first year of college. And so I organized this evening. We were going to see four plays back to back, and that just kind of blew their mind. And we started at five. We went to one at five, one at 6.30, one at eight, and one at 10. And so we got out at 11.30, and now it is 12.30, and I'm home, and I'm ready to talk about it. Because We watched one show called A Shark Ate My Penis, a story of boys like me, a history of boys like me. And it was this trans man named Laser Weber. It was a one-person show, song and dance. He told his story, and then he had, like, J.K. Rowling as the major antagonist on the screen behind him. It was really funny. And the kids, at the end of the night, I was like, what order would you put them in your favorite? And I said, three, two, four, one. That's how, you know, and they all, and a lot of them put that show, A Shark Ate My Penis, written and starring Laser Weber as their number one show. And they really, really connected with it. It was a story about gender, I hate that word, but gender and then sexuality. This modern idea just framing it into a modern context, framing the history of trans identity into a modern context, and letting people know, and really coming armed with facts, letting people know that trans people have always existed. This isn't anything new, and you may be hearing a lot about it now, but it's not anything new. And me, as an educator and a human and a homosexual, being affirmed, reaffirmed, that this current generation, that this, that they're very, very open, that they're very accepting that everybody was really on board with it. Nobody was put off by it. It was really an inclusive environment and everybody really enjoyed the show. So then on my way home, I'm listening to the news and I found out that tonight here in LA, there was a school board meeting. This is the second one of note in the last couple of weeks that there was a school board meeting here in LA 
in Glendale, which is in Los Angeles, and that it erupted into violence that there was a that they were there to talk about officially making June Pride Month for the school district and protesters came out anti-woke by the way which means asleep right anti-woke means sleeping am i wrong it's so stupid to be anti-woke like it's just so dumb to me but a bunch of anti-woke protesters including some proud boys were at this school board meeting in glendale and then i found out as i was listening to the news and I even sought out a couple podcasts on the matter because I was like, this is not happening here in LA, is it? Yes, it's fucking happening here in LA. This war has come into my homeland. And if you can't feel safe in Southern California as a trans-identified person or as a member of the LGBTQ community, if you can't feel safe here, where are you Where are you supposed to fucking go? Where the fuck are you supposed to go? And so it's a war. They're coming. I'm sitting here thinking, perhaps giving them too much credit because I'm thinking about it, but you can't even be armed with facts because, you, again, you can't fight emotion with facts. And I don't think this, it's just this whole idea of leave our kids alone, stop indoctrinating our kids. Well, it's as if, it's as if two things. I have to say, a bunch of these people that showed up to this board meeting didn't even have kids in the school district. I found out that they go around from board meeting to board meeting. Here in LA, they've been doing it, and they're Nazis and they're radicals. Some guys were arrested that were members of the Proud Boys, which it's all really scary. I mean, if I'm confronting what I might do in a situation like that, I would fear for my life, honestly, because perhaps I understand deep in my bones the fear of coming up against someone face-to-face with someone who just hates you. Because when you hate, you have nothing to lose. When when you're operating on emotion, you have absolutely nothing to lose. And so these people would happily cut out the flute from the throats of the loon, which to them are their children or children in general. I feel like you have to think of kids, you have to think of your kids as property for you to say something like, leave our kids alone, stop indoctrinating our kids. You have to really believe that they don't have, that these kids do not have their own mind. And I'm here, absolutely. These kids aren't gonna think anything that they don't wanna think. And that's what's empowering a little bit or that's what's refreshing a little bit, but also really confusing to me about this state that we're living in right now is this idea that these people, these parents, and not even parents, these just radicals that are going from board meeting to board meeting inciting some sort of violence at all of these places here in Southern California, based purely on the notion that to affirm a teenager's identity in some fashion is grooming it makes absolutely no sense and it's these buzzwords that they're using grooming and indoctrination it's buzzwords that for the for people who may not be operating with a certain level of intelligence will hear these words and instantly become angry and of course nobody wants their children to be groomed nobody wants anybody to be groomed And it's just a very confusing fight because it feels like it's getting worse. I mean, I know it is getting worse. Factually, it's getting worse. I want to read to you because until they rip out my throat, I will cry louder than you can ever believe. I don't have anything to lose. I don't give a fuck. I wonder what I would do met with this hate like right in my face. I wonder what I would do. I might get myself into some legal trouble because I feel like I would escalate the situation. 
I can definitely get very provoked, and I feel like that might not be the best thing for my criminal record. <laughs> but um, I want to read you this thing that was released by the Attorney General Bonta, uh, the Attorney General of California, Rob Bonta. What a man, eh? Rob Bonta released the inaugural State of Pride report. Do you know that this is a thing here in California? This, the, this was the first one this year, the inaugural State of Pride report out of Sacramento. And this is what he said. This is the first of its kind report, and it highlights the Department of Justice's actions to defend and expand the civil rights of the LGBTQ plus community in spite of the constant and continual threats to our well-being, our safety, our equality, our livelihood, our lives, the continued threats. Let me be clear. If you don't think we're fighting a war, if you don't think we're fighting a war, you're not paying attention. And I know that everyone here is paying attention. But this is my flute. California Attorney General Rob Bonta, in honor of LGBTQ plus Pride Month, issued a new state of pride report highlighting the California Department of Justice's recent actions to support, uplift, and defend the rights of LGBTQ plus communities across California and beyond. Pride Month is a time to celebrate the beautiful strength and diversity of LGBTQ plus communities, as well as to reflect on the struggles, sacrifices, and historic accomplishments of the LGBTQ plus civil rights movement. Despite the immense progress that has been achieved, more work remains to be done. You're telling me, sister, amidst alarming and increasing attacks on LGBTQ plus communities, from book bans to states pushing discriminatory policies across the nation, DOJ remains steadfast in its commitment to fight alongside LGBTQ plus communities in pursuit of justice and equality. As a committed LGBTQ plus ally, Rob Bonta says, I firmly believe that everyone deserves to be safe, healthy, prosperous, and celebrated for who they are, regardless of how they identify or who they love. As we come together this Pride Month to celebrate our LGBTQ plus communities, we must also recommit ourselves to the ongoing fight for LGBTQ plus rights at home and across the country. Today's report shows the California DOJ's commitment to defending, expanding, and advancing LGBTQ plus rights. However, I know that there is substantial work yet to be accomplished. Our pursuit of equality knows no boundaries, and I vow to continue using every tool at my disposal to protect and promote the rights and well-being of LGBTQ plus individuals. The State of Pride report presents detailed insights into DOJ's latest initiatives to confront hate crimes and discrimination against LGBTQ plus individuals. One significant initiative is the launch of the Office of Community Awareness, Response, and Engagement, or CARE and collaborating with community organizations and the public to proactively address hate crimes. The report emphasizes the efficacy of the Attorney General's Hate Crime Rapid Response Protocol, which equips local law enforcement with the essential resources to efficiently handle significant hate crimes and extremism. Furthermore, DOJ is committed to combating discrimination in classrooms, sports, healthcare, and public spaces. The report focuses on DOJ's work to cultivate safe environments for LGBTQ students free from bullying, enable transgender athletes to participate in sports aligned with their gender identity, offer LGBTQ plus individuals access to gender affirming healthcare, and advocate for inclusive public business accommodations, inter irrespective of sexual orientation or gender identity. Gender affirming healthcare, by the way, gender affirming healthcare has been around for ages. It's not a trans thing. If you've ever had any sort of surgery to affirm your gender or your sense of yourself, a facelift. That's gender affirming. Isn't that? A circumcision. All of it. 
The State of Pride report also underscores the ongoing adversities LGBTQ plus individuals face in California nationwide. Despite considerable progress, many LGBTQ plus individuals still experience discrimination, harassment, and violence in their daily lives, and transgender individuals are especially vulnerable facing high rates of poverty, unemployment, and homelessness. These challenges demonstrate the need for ongoing protective efforts to uphold and expand LGBTQ plus individuals' rights, enable all individuals to live free from discrimination and violence, and collaborate toward creating a more just and inclusive society. Key data points in the State of Pride report depict the reality of hate crimes and discrimination against LGBTQ individuals as follows. About 2.7 million, or 9.1% of California adults, identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, the largest share of any highly populated state, and one that is considerably higher than the national figure of 7.9. Unfortunately, in California, between 2021 and 2022, there were over 391 reported hate crime events motivated by sexual orientation, bias, and 45 hate crimes motivated by anti-transgender or anti-gender non-conforming bias. LGBTQ children have been victimized and bullied at rates four times higher than their non-LGBTQ peer groups. This hate has a compounding impact on their physical and mental well-being. Nearly half of all LGBTQ plus youth seriously considered suicide in 2022. Across the United States, 2022 was a record-breaking year for state-level anti-LGBTQ plus bills with more than 200 pieces of legislation introduced in over 40 state legislators that aimed to codify discrimination in classrooms, sports, healthcare, and public spaces. It's a really fucked up time to be alive. It's a really fucked up time to be queer. And the only way I think to combat it is to continue to be proud, to continue to display pride, to continue to hold the bigots accountable. I watched this video where this guy was in an elevator. This was a TikTok and he had his phone firmly filming members of a school board who had voted against diversity, equity, and inclusion bills, they had voted against it. And he simply was standing in the elevator with them, follow, followed them to the elevator and rode the elevator with them, asking them, why would they do that? Why would they, like, who are they serving? Why do they think that that's okay to vote against these bills? And nobody had an answer. And they were so uncomfortable. And they should be. And they absolutely should be. So until it becomes, I'm sorry, until it becomes uncomfortable to preach hate and violence until it becomes something that you have to do in the shadows again with your stupid little group in your living room until it goes back to being shameful act the call is to make the bigots as uncomfortable as they would like to make us and it's scary it's fucking scary especially when there's threats of violence involved and fear and trauma because we've all been beaten up Every gay kid has been punched or hit or something. I feel like I had it better than most people because I only got bullied via name calling. I got pinched a lot. I got punched once in the nose in the seventh grade by Mario Flores. He punched me in the nose. And when he punched me in the nose, my head went back into the metal piece between the double doors in the cafeteria. You know that the doors were open and that metal piece was like right there. It's like the door jam, the door frame. When he punched me, I was standing in front of that thing and my back of my head hit the door jam and I had and I was so embarrassed and in pain and I knew my nose was bleeding, but I didn't realize my head was bleeding and I walked down the hallway trying to go to my class crying, holding my nose with one hand and my 
head with the other hand, while truly everybody at their lockers like parted and looked at me and were like so taken aback. I'll never forget these reactions from the people because it helped me to realize like how bloody I was. And only when I got into Mrs. Fight's classroom, F-E-I-T, Mrs. Fight, did she kind of freak out. She wasn't sympathetic to me at all. She kind of freaked out and sent me to the nurse's office. And at which point my mom came, this was Vista Middle School, and my mom came and caused a scene. But nothing, I don't recall anything ever happening to that fucker. And that was definitely because he, he called me a joto, which is the gay slur in Spanish. But just because that threat of violence happened in the seventh grade and ultimately was like the peak of violence in my life, anti-gay violence anyway, but just because that happened in the seventh grade doesn't mean that it doesn't live with me and that I'm not afraid. When I walk into a room, when I walk into, I, me and my friend Matthew, we were on a road trip. We were driving him to Chicago and I had, the year before I was, in 2013, I was on a tour. I had, I was managing an educational musical. I had done this educational musical as the tour manager and we had a great time. We toured everywhere. It was a really wonderful time. And one of the places that I really had a great time in was Greeley, Colorado. And I remember being there on Cinco de Mayo in 2013. And it is a small, tiny Colorado town. And she was living. Okay, I was the belle of the ball that day, that year, that moment in that town. And so the next year or year after that, when my friend moved to Chicago, I routed us through Greeley, Colorado. And I said, you know what? You're going to love it. They love gay people there. <laughs> um, I had one of the best nights of my life there. And my dear friend, Matthew, we get to Greeley, Colorado. We get to the Applebee's and we are faced and we're sitting there just like having a drink. But this whole room filled with white conservative bikers targeted us and started talking shit slowly to each other about us and because i became combative started talking directly to us to the point where we actually had to leave the applebee's even though let me tell you when you're sitting there like i can sit here on this microphone and say like you have to fight you have to stand up but when you're actually faced with it and you're the only two people in the whole fucking restaurant who give a fuck about you like you're the only one who gives a fuck about yourself these other people in the restaurant don't give a fuck about you. And in fact, they want you to leave. And in fact, if you stay, it could get really ugly, including the people who work there who aren't, they're not obligated to defend you. They probably hate you just as much. I saw that scene ending very, very badly. Very, 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 very badly. So we left. I had already exchanged words. I knew that nothing I was going to say was going to de-escalate the situation at that point. And Matthew was in the bathroom. And when he came back from the bathroom, I said, we have to go. I will explain it in the car. And we and we got out of there. And I still live with like the embarrassment and the shame of putting my tail between my legs as I was leaving that fucking place and cutting out the flute from the throat of the loon, which is I know not how she meant it, but honestly, like they stole my voice in that moment. They stole me in that moment. And I don't know what to do about it because 
when you're coming at it, when, when people are coming at you with pure raw emotion that's not based in fact, there's no reasoning with them. And so you have to go to your emotional place, which is your fight or flight or freeze, you know. And hopefully, if you can't fight, you can flight. And hopefully you don't freeze. It's just a really terrible truth to have to confront at this age, you know. I don't know. I looked at my face the other day. I'm getting old. I was very unhappy with it. I was very unhappy with the gray in my beard. But I haven't lived this long to fucking be silenced by fucking stupid people. (laughs) By stupid people. I did not get this far into debt for an education to be silenced by idiots. I really didn't. Anti-woke. Go back to bed, anti-woke. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. I don't know. This is why I don't do the show this late at night. <laughs> um, I'll, you know, I'll try to get it done earlier so that everything's just a little bit more status quo, you know. So we talk a little bit more about Tori Amos, but I think that Tori Amos would be on our side if she knew what was happening. I don't think she knows what's happening. I think that she knows certain things that are happening, but I don't think she understands the extent of it. I don't think anybody really truly can comprehend the extent of it where we were, where we got to, and where we're going back to. It's horrifying. Unless she listens to Never Shut Up. In which case, I apologize, ma'am, mother. I apologize. But there's a, a shocking lack of celebrities that are speaking up for gay people. There's a shocking lack of celebrities that are speaking up for trans people. It's, uh, I wish I could figure out, I don't know why I'm taking this responsibility on but I think it's all of our responsibility. And I wish I could figure out a global plan of attack. The Proud Boys fucking did it. The Proud Boys are dispersing. The radicals are dispersing at fucking L.A. school board meetings to scare the liberals. That's And that's what they're doing. Although Blood Roses is a descent into the underworld. And that's for sure because that's where we are. And she's fighting for her life at the end of that song. Come on, come on, come on. She's fighting for her life at the end of that song. I really think that. Fighting for her soul, her spirit. That's what we're doing. So it's actually an appropriate song for today. And I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.
Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. <laughs>